Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we are hanging out in the studio talking about studying scripture. Yeah. And one of the things that we have to do here on a regular basis is figure out just what it is that we're going to talk about on the podcast. And uh, Zach had an idea a couple of weeks ago about talking about Bible study, not doing a Bible study, but talking about actually studying the Bible. What do you do? Right. And I, I kind of thought to myself, and I was like, if I had to suffer through this for two years in college, all of you should have to suffer through this as well. I'm just For at least I, an hour. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I mean, what, what we are talking about, funny enough, the, the method that I studied, my, my degree is in biblical studies. It is in studying scripture. Um, it's the inductive Bible study method. Right. Oddly enough, you taught that. I taught that. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I have so a bone to pick with you on that. Absolutely. So the history of that, um, going back uh, over a hundred years, there uh, was a professor named Whitehall at Union Theological Seminary in New York. I don't even know if Union Theological Seminary in New York still exists. But he kind of got the ball rolling in inductive study of Scripture. Uh, One of his main students, Robert Traina, went to Asbury Seminary. I went to Asbury. And he taught a course called Methodical Bible Study. Now, this was Trena's take on it, his approach to it. Trena has since passed away, but they still teach methodical Bible study. The thing that I liked about that, Trena said methodical Bible study is not a method. Methodical Bible study is learning to be methodical in studying Scripture. So if you gain new skills and abilities, acquire new talents, uh, new knowledge, uh, you know where to hang it. You know what to do with that as you study Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I've I've really benefited from that. I, I really like that approach. Yeah. But, yeah, in Columbia, uh, we had a couple of us who had gone to Asbury. So uh, we taught methodical Bible study in Spanish. I wrote a, a, a primer down there on it about a, I don't know, a 110-page uh, workbook on uh, learning how to do it, and would teach students for four years. I would always make sure that I taught them the first course and the last course. I wanted to help them get started well, and then at the end I wanted to um, kind of prepare them for what the ministry was going to be like. So oh. I just had a blast doing that. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um I was so I, I was unfamiliar with uh, IBS, which is a terrible way of summing up the name inductive Bible study, um, which kind of shares in it with it is acronym. Acronym is that the, yeah, yeah, acronym acronym with irritable bowel syndrome. So that's really great, um, but it um, upon first learning it, I was just annoyed. Yeah, and yeah. don't get me wrong, throughout. Many of my courses, yeah, (laughs) right. Like I would get really annoyed because what would happen is it would feel like many of my professors that were teaching inductive Bible study were more focused on me writing down enough information to their liking or me seeing the right thing that they wanted me to see rather than me understanding the verse. Right. And that's right. the important part. And so while I well, do – that's the key to everything. Exactly. And while like I believe wholeheartedly that inductive Bible study is an awesome tool, I think it can be abused and turned into just a mundane, boring task if you don't remember why you are using it. Right. And it can also be condensed. It doesn't have to be as uh, – what's intricate, I guess, yeah. as some people make it. Uh, and so we've kind of given a condensed form of it today is what we want to talk <laughs> we about. we got an hour. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to take uh, everything that I taught in four years of uh, seminary to a student in one hour. <laughs> there you go. I'm good with that. Yeah. 
So, like, why don't you get started? I, I guess, okay, maybe before we jump into it, why is this important? Yeah, 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 that's a great question. Uh, why is it important? Um, you know, studying anything, there's always a process that you set up, that you follow, and many times the process is just as important as uh, the actual study itself because if you set up improperly, if you set up incorrectly, uh, you set yourself up for failure. A lot of people, when it comes to Bible study, set themselves up for failure. Um, the, the key to inductive Bible study, first of all, it is inductive. It's not deductive. Uh, that means that you gather all of the evidence that you can find in Scripture and then try to let that guide you in your understanding of Scripture. As opposed to saying, so I think X, Y, Z is true. And now I'm going to go to Scripture to find evidence for X, Y, Z. Right. Which is what I find a lot of people doing when they read the Bible. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, They're convinced that, or not necessarily convinced, but they want very much to believe this. So they look for verses that will back that. And uh, it's just not the right approach. Well, well, we ran into this just yesterday, for instance. Um, we were talking about service um, because by the time you've listened to this, we'll have already had the sermon, but like I've got to teach on um, being of service to the vulnerable and right. loving the vulnerable and, and going and serving, right? And so I was like, what's a good verse about that? And Jason said, uh, what about the like uh, you know bear one another's burdens verse? And so we we looked it up and we we're like, yeah, what is that? And it's Galatians, and we look at it and pretty quickly I was like, oh wait, you know that 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 verse alone works. Yeah. But contextually, this is talking it's about not sin. What it's about it's talking about sin. Yeah. And so it's like this doesn't really work, even though it sounds like it does. Yeah. When you put it in its place, when you stick it in with the rest of the surrounding context. That's not what that verse is about at all. Right. And so that's why this is such good stuff. Inductive study points us to what does Scripture actually say, and how can I find that out without having to go learn it from other people? So a good place to start might be to talk about what are some of the inappropriate ways to study Scripture. Um, I'm going to make some brash statements that uh, will probably bring some comments here. One of the worst ways to study scripture is with a commentary. Because what do you do when you look at a verse of scripture and then open up a commentary? You are relying on someone else to tell you what this verse means. Uh, If they're right, great. And if they're not, you have no way of knowing. Because you haven't done the study yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's horrible to just use a commentary. Same concept. It's... I don't think it's necessarily a great idea to do a Bible study with a book because same idea. The book has something that it's trying to communicate to you. But is that what the verse is really saying? Right. Each one of us has to come to an ability, uh, a practice of studying Scripture on our own and discovering what it means on our own. Were you able to do any of that uh, in in your studies of IBS at IWU? Yeah, a lot. Um, generally, I would find it, it was odd because, like, I would I would kind of go in the way what, the way we would set up the way we were writing our papers a lot of the time is we would kind of do a quick um, observation, which we'll talk about. Right. And so I would write down a bunch of things that I saw. And then I'd be like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go this direction with the rest of it. Because you kind of have to, like, the way it was set up, and this was something I didn't like, is you kind of had to pick a direction you were going in order to kind of yeah. come to your conclusion eventually. Right. And the thing is, I would I would start learning about, like, what I need, like, 
putting together this idea that I was like, okay, wait, I think this is my question I have now. Mm-hmm. I want to go find out if this is true. So now I'm going to go in and I'm going to dig deeper and, and I'm going to go build on this and see what evidence I can find to see if this is true or not. Um, and then I would get in the middle of that process and be like, I think I asked the wrong question. Like, but I'm too far in now and I'm doing a paper right. and like, I've got to turn this in, but There's like a time constraint, right? right. But it's like, it I would find something even more interesting in the midst of trying to maybe answer a more mundane question. And so that would happen often. So yeah, let's, uh, if we can, let's just talk about that uh, a little bit. One of the principles of methodical of inductive method is that you don't start where we typically want to start. Typically, we'll want to read a passage of scripture and then ask the question, so what does that mean? And that's not the right place to start. Right. The right place to start is not with the question of interpretation, what does it mean? It's with the question of observation, what does it say? Uh-huh. Um, now, there was a specific reason that I wanted to do that, and... I mean, I can riff off of that if, if you'd like. Riff off of it. Maybe <laughs> I'll remember what it was that I wanted to say. So the cool thing about when you when you start from the, the concept of I am not going to go to the text to answer my question. I'm going to go to the text to find out what it says. So I go read a passage and say, why don't you just pick, pick a random passage and just like start anywhere. And let's just kind of show you what we're talking about here. Okay, Titus 2. As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Let's stop there. Just two verses. Okay, so let's stop there. So I notice something that just stuck out to me immediately was... Teach the older men to live with sound living. Why not the younger men? So, Good so, obvi- so obviously the people being talked about here are the older men for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to write that down. Yeah, Older men have been referenced. No younger yeah. men have been referenced. Right, right. And then off on the side, I would probably ask a few questions about that. Why would they just mention the older men? Why wouldn't they mention the younger men? And then uh, what were some other things that might have stuck out to you there? Well, uh, what he talks about, self-control, wholesome teaching, self-control, worthy of respect, wise living, sound faith, filled with love, patience, uh, character qualities that uh, many of them are in the the fruit of the Spirit, patience, love, Mm self-control. And, and and another thing you could say is okay, so the, these are important things that mm-hmm. that he wants communicated. But not only that, these are things that are good to teach others. Yeah. So it's good to further this kind of thinking, right? right. Um, and, and especially to an older generation for for whatever reason. And so, like, I mean, we don't have any more context than that right there. But right. just going off of that observation, we now have a few starting points to yeah. go. Yeah. Why would they say that? Exactly. I remember what it was that I was going to say, um, but then I want to come back to two things that you talked about. Uh, uh, what I wanted to say was that when you don't have the time constraint of I've got to get this homework in or I don't get credit mm-hmm. for it, uh, it is very natural to start down one rabbit trail as you're studying scripture and you think you're pursuing one thing you get into the passage and you see, oh, that's not really what he's talking about. He's talking about this over here. So in the middle of trying, you you have observed, and that led you to a specific interpretation. During that interpretation, you actually went back and observed and you saw something different. Mm-hmm. It's okay to jump back and say, let's start over again. Because my first observation was not really on the mark. Right, because based on these new things that I've come to, I think I might have been wrong for asking that question in the first place. Right. Right. Now let's come back to two things that you mentioned. Uh, One is you wrote it down. 
that's one of the things that Trina says. Uh, uh, one of the best tools uh, in Bible study is a pen. Write your observations down. And there's a specific reason for that. I think we've talked about that here in a, in a podcast before. But it is our ability to articulate an idea that shows that we have truly begun to understand it. Mm-hmm. If we can't write it down, we haven't really understood it. So that's why it's important to write it down because that helps you to clarify and understand. Um, even if you never look at that again, it's worthwhile to write it down. Yeah, it'll it'll help you focus, concentrate, and clarify. Sure. The second thing you talked about making questions early on, as you observe, uh, questions are going to come to mind. That's what I end up writing down. I'll I'll write down some observations, but mostly I'm writing down questions. Then I try to find answers to those questions from scripture and outside scripture. Yeah. So everything I did was in a two column method. Okay. I would write down just what I saw on the left. So it'd be like observations and then the second column is questions. Excellent. And so then I would and I would like maybe write down the verse reference like yeah. you know uh, this was and and I would try and compartmentalize like mm-hmm. that like okay in verse 1 it says this. And so then I've got a little map, a little trail to take me back. Um now, what I would do with my students is uh, I would tell them, if you start to study scripture and you go straight to a commentary, you are using somebody else's interpretation. But if in your observation you start to have questions, you write down the questions, now you have a reason to go to the commentaries. Go right. to the commentaries to look for answers to your questions. Right. And you'll be amazed at how poor commentaries are because they don't answer your questions. They answer somebody else's questions. When you find a commentary that begins to answer the questions that you got from the text, that's a commentary that's worth buying. It's worth uh, putting some money into. There are very, in my mind, few good commentaries out there. Uh, Few commentaries that answer the kind of questions that I tend to have when I go to scripture, which may be there a little bit more of a practical nature, but, uh, that's what I'm looking for when I'm trying to understand scripture. What do I need to do as a result of this? Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the observation step. That's, yeah. that's step one, right? Step two. Well, step two is interpretation. Um, before we go there, though, let's go back to observation. Okay. Because what do you do in observation? Um, I'd always have my students uh, read a, a short little article, about a five-page article, called uh, The Laboratory, the Fish, and Agassiz. Okay. Agassiz was an ichthyologist. No. Excuse me. He was a he was a uh, a natural scientist during Abraham Lincoln's presidency. He actually, I think, helped get the the what's the big museum in Washington? The Smithsonian. Smithsonian. He helped get the Smithsonian uh, kind of running, which hmm. roughly is around that time. But uh, guy wrote down how he went to study insects uh, with Agassiz. And uh, Agassiz heard him out, and he said, great. When, are you, when do you want to start? And the, the guy said, well, now. And Agassiz said, oh, great, that's great. So he went in the other room, and he came out with a fish in formaldehyde. And he showed the guy how to open the jar and put his fish there, pour some formaldehyde on the fish every once in a while, or it dries out, and... Uh, he he uh, told the kid how to use uh, the the formaldehyde in the jar, and then he said, "Observe the fish," and he left. And the kid thought, "Okay, five minutes." 
five minutes passed, then 10 minutes, then 15, then an hour, then two hours. <laughs> the rest of the day, Agassiz didn't return. Kid put the fish away, came back the next day, and Agassiz sat down with him early in the morning and said, what did you observe? And the kid told him the obvious things, things like color, weight, that kind of thing. Thought, that's good. Thought, that's odd to spend five hours observing a fish like that. When he was done, Agassiz was really upset. He said, you haven't begun to observe. Get the same fish, take it out, observe it. So the kid got it out, and he got a pen and a paper, and he, he drew the fish. And as he was drawing the fish, he saw some other things. Great. End of the day, eight hours later, Agassiz comes back. What did you observe? Kid tells him some other things, and Agassiz says, well, well, he said, I see that you are using a pen and a paper. That's good. That's great. Uh, keep doing that. That helps. Uh, you've seen some other things, but you haven't seen anything yet. Third day he comes back, same fish, <laughs> observe the fish. The point that Agassiz was trying to make is that observation is not just, here are the first things that you see and that's good enough. Go back to it. Go back to it time and time again. Read it in its context. Uh, typically, uh, when I observe, I'll look for five things starting out. I'll look, first of all, for any repetitions. What are the repeated words? What are the things that uh, the author is talking about? So I'll look for repetitions. Secondly, I'll look for things that are compared, uh, things that are contrasted is a third thing. Then I'll look for causes and I'll look for effects. Those are five things that are fairly easy to identify. It helps to have something concrete that you're looking for. Um, on about the fourth day, Agassiz said to the student, you just haven't seen the most basic thing. And the student said, you mean... That a fish, if you draw a line down the middle, it's a mirror image on both sides. Exactly, that's what it is. And it opened up a new line of thinking for the student. He went back and he began to observe the, the, the similarities, the differences. And he ended up studying a fish for two weeks, a single fish for two weeks. But by the end of the time, he was beginning to make observations that, when he started, he just looked over the top of it. When we observe, spend time. Don't be afraid to take a long time to observe. Uh, read a passage. Go back, reread it. Read it again five times, ten times. Different translations. Well, this is the reason you're never done studying Scripture. Right. Like, it, when, I always laugh when people are like, well, I've read the Bible. It's like... And you Got should that. continue <laughs> to do so forever because it's just always something new. Right, right. Like once you've reflected on another portion of scripture, you come back to that same thing you already read and you see it in a whole new light. Because say, Oh, that's what he was talking about. Right, and he's probably <laughs> talking about more than that even. Absolutely. I mean, this is inspired by God himself. So, I mean, like the way this interconnects with itself is incredible. And so there's just tons and tons and tons of new observations to make. And so, yeah, I mean, like, just because you've studied a book, right. go back and do it again because it's going to always mean something new. Back when I was in grade school, they taught us the six W's. Who, what, where, when, why, mm -hmm. and how ends with a W. But <laughs> yep. uh, those are great questions to ask. And those that's how we were told to ask questions, questions yeah. as well. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Yep. And don't invent answers. If it doesn't tell you how, then don't write any answer to right. how. Because you're not interpreting. You're not trying to guess. You're observing. If the passage says this is how it was done, write that down. 
Right. I agree. <clears throat> um, and so, we ready for interpretation, you think? Might as well. Okay. So. So, during observation, you've written down a number of questions. Those are key questions. Right. Those help you begin the interpretation. Right. So, you start looking for answers to those questions. Now, the kinds of questions that you can ask. You can ask uh, uh, identifying question. Who is? Uh, where is? If you don't have those answers, obviously, in a passage, ask anyway and uh, look for answers in the context. You can ask questions like, what does that mean? You can ask questions of definition. What does that word mean? What does that phrase mean? Uh, what does this concept mean? You can ask questions of uh, implication. What does that imply for this other thing over here? And you can finish up with questions on application. Okay, when all's said and done, what does it mean for me? How am I going to apply this? Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, another aspect of interpretation, though, because we would normally save application for last, right? Or at least the scripture least as the a middle. whole. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so wait, are we going over, are we going beyond uh, just kind of the simplified version? Well, let's just leave it. Okay, I was going to say, I think yeah. observe. So application is the end. Yes, so observe, interpret, apply. Um, that's what we're sticking with. Yeah. I think that's the easier way yeah. to go. It, I mean, the, what are there? There's five steps in total, I think. F- yeah, there are two more steps, but yeah, you know, the yeah. other steps are more about biblical theology. Exactly, it? exactly. Um, and so interpretation. You're trying to say, what did this passage mean to the people reading it? That is the primary question. It's not even, how do I understand this passage? It's, how did Titus understand these words that Paul wrote to him? Right. Right. I mean, it also begs the question, I mean, through the observation, we would probably ask the question, you know, like, who's who's writing this? Right. You know, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and who's Titus? Exactly. And so we, we would have to come to those conclusions in this step, which is what makes this step so difficult. I think this may be the most difficult step because this is where you really need to – like you need to learn answers to these questions. Mm-hmm. You may need to break out the history books and start cracking those open and say, okay, well, I don't know anything about yeah. this time frame. What what was life like then? What Why, why were – older men in this setting right. being referenced was is there something i'm missing here is or maybe i look at other translations and see what other translations say here because this might be a quirk exactly. of this particular translation exactly so word study is another right. part of the interpretation step yeah. to go uh there's a great resource for you um you can use logos uh, bible yeah. software for going back to root languages the one that i break out probably the most often just because I'm familiar with it is blue letter study Bible. Um, you can see word for word, the entire Bible in Greek, Hebrew, whatever language. And it will actually show you every other time that word is used in scripture and yeah. where, yeah. and then how it's used. Um, and so you can kind of, uh, lay it side by side and say, okay, well, it looks like this is kind of how this word gets used. Um, maybe that's what it means here as well. Bible gateway is another uh, mm-hmm. handy tool. You can go there, uh, click on one verse, and uh, toggle a particular button, and it shows you all English translations. Yes. So you can look through everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, th- this is this is probably the most intensive step, um, just yeah. in meaning you, you definitely want to make sure you aren't superimposing your worldview onto their worldview. Because it's two different ways of life. So what are some ways that we interpret? Hmm. Now, I want to make sure I know how you're asking that. Like, what do you mean by that? So I've got a question here. The question is, uh, who is Titus? How do I find out? Okay. Um, (laughs) I would say 
your best bet is, I mean, honestly, go go look online. Go learn who is Titus. Yeah. Go see good what, Bible dictionary. Go, go find a good Bible dictionary. Um, go find a trustworthy source. Yeah. Um, go look up what historical information you can. Another handy thing that that can be done. Uh, there's a principle of using scripture to interpret scripture. You could go to Blue Letter Bible or Blue Line Bible and and click on Titus and read everywhere that Titus occurs. True. Now, if you go to a Bible dictionary, if you go online, uh, you'll see about who Titus is. When you go to a Blue Line Bible, you will notice the very interesting fact that Titus is never mentioned in the book of Acts. Hmm. But Paul's letters talk more about Titus than he talks about any of his other, any of the other members of his team. Titus was like his right-hand man, and Acts doesn't mention him, which is interesting. Hmm. Very few Bible dictionaries or anything like that will make that observation. That is interesting. Um. The, the one thing I might say about using the Bible to interpret the Bible is if you're kind of new to this whole yeah, it's, way of studying, it's going to be a lot harder for you in the beginning yeah. to do things that way. Right. Um, right. So you are going to probably need to just look some things up, ask yeah. some questions yeah. to some yeah. trustworthy people, um, and, and, and get some answers that you're probably going to agree or disagree with down the line when you learn more. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how much I learned learned three years ago that now as I'm going through my Bible a lot deeper, um, I look back and go, I don't think I had that right, you know, but yeah. but it got me here. So that's okay. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, yeah. it worked then. Right. <laughs> it may sure. not have been correct, sure. but it worked, you know. And, uh, and so I think there's a lot of that as well. Okay. Okay. So um, – Use scripture to interpret scripture. Uh, get decent Bible dictionaries, Bible yeah. encyclopedias. Those are actually more valuable to you than a commentary. Because a commentary has a particular approach that it's pushing. A Bible dictionary is much more descriptive. So in a good Bible dictionary, you get reasonable answers. Yeah. Now, um, if uh, you're ca- you're strapped for cash, a good thing to do would be download the Logos Bible software. It's great. It has its own internal Bible dictionary, very competent, very good. The way Logos makes its money is it has this free version that anybody can download, but they're constantly trying to get you to buy more. Yeah, and what they're offering is wonderful stuff. It's oh, it's really excellent good. stuff. Um, it's also expensive. It comes so. at all price points, though. Too right. You can enter right. at like the lowest level for like honestly, it was free uh, yeah. for a few months here a while back. The uh, the like lowest premium level. Um, really? Yeah, and I think I got it. Yeah, I got it for free, and they they gave I me like that. forty books or something like that, just right out the gate. Um, and then yeah, I mean, if you want to spend. Ten thousand dollars, you can do that too. Right, you know, it's, it's up to you. Highest level is yeah, it's four and five figure. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it, much more regular, a uh, couple hundred bucks for some real nice collections. Frankly, I've spent a total of I think sixty six dollars. Yeah, I've probably <laughs> spent like fifty or sixty bucks yeah. on there total, yeah. um, and I've got hundreds of books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That they give you so much for free month to month. They every month there's a free book. We or kinda two. live for the yep, yep. yep. We live for the free book and uh it's what they want to give you. It's not what you're looking for necessarily, but But a lot of times it's quality it's stuff. Very good. It's always quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's what you want at that particular point in time. Exactly. You know, that maybe yeah, maybe no. But, yeah. But it's super solid. And uh, uh it has uh, take the time to go through the videos, and that'll take you some time. That'll take you uh, probably the better part of a week, spending about an hour a day with it. But it's worthwhile to do because they show you how to get inside the program and really 
uh, begin to look for answers to your questions. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, and, and and while you know, we've kind of said you don't want to go straight to a commentary, but Randy said you know once you've got your questions asked, that's this when is you go to the this commentary. is the step. Once yeah. you've done all your own work and you've got as far as you can go on your own. And you say, okay, this is the conclusions I've come to about what these people would have thought about this. Yeah. That's when you go to the commentary and say, what's this guy got to say about right, that? Right, what does right. this person have to say about that? And then you start comparing what you found with what they found. And you may disagree with them. And, and that's okay. Like that They might also illuminate something you hadn't noticed. Yeah. And so you, know, um, you might find out. Oh well, the reason Titus is talking to a bunch of men is because this was in a in a part of the town where all the young men in the town were shipped off to the military. You know, I'm making this up, but I'm saying like you know, you find out a, a small little historical fact, so you go, oh wait, is that true? So then I go and I I dig and I find whether or not that is historically accurate. Right. And then I'm like, oh wow, that actually changes the way I see this now. Right. Right. And maybe he is right in that. You yeah. know. And yeah. so th- there's a lot of that, a lot of back and forth. This is a lot. Studying the Bible is not easy. It takes time. It takes time. Uh, But if you're willing to put the time into it, uh, there's some incredible things that you can find out. And kind of a sense of fulfillment. Each one of us approaches Scripture from a different perspective. We carry ourselves to Scripture. The kind of questions that you would ask of this passage are probably going to be different from the kind of questions that I would ask this passage. Yeah, for sure. So if both of us go to a commentary, what we actually start doing there is we're reading what a third party uh, found out from his questions. You're bringing which another voice to may the or table. may not be ours. Right. So, yeah, there is a sense of fulfillment that uh, when you take your own questions to a passage— and discover the answer in Scripture. Yeah, okay. That's when the Lord really begins to speak to you. Right. Um, and so, you know, you've got the observe step, where you write down your questions. Right. Uh, well, sorry, you write down what you see, right. and you write down questions pertaining to what you see. Right. Then you've got step two, which is interpret. Interpretation. So I'm going to go through. I'm going to start finding out some answers. I look for evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Reading contextually is the big one here. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that just be little book contextually where you're looking at the surrounding passages or are you looking at the Bible at large, but you need to be reading contextually to see how does this stack up. If I read a passage and I go, oh, wow, I think this means that, that, you know, people can live their lives without sinning. And then I go look at the rest of the Bible. I go, oh, I think I definitely interpreted that wrong. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, And so you need to read contextually. But what you're trying to find here is what did the people at that point in time believe? What what did this passage mean to the people it was written to? Right. Just uh, kind of an example of that. Uh, We started off Titus 2, 1 to 2, and truly I did just let my Bible fall open and pick that out. The next paragraph, similarly teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. Then in verse 6, in the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. So look at that. It's not just the old, older men. It's but, but what we're doing is we're seeing this progression through right. the family model, right? Right. And what ultimately that says to us is not that there was necessarily a lack of young men in the church, but that the older men and the younger men have a different set of values and a different uh, set of needs. So minister to each one according to their particular set of needs. And notice he starts with the older men, then the women, yep. then the kids. Right. right. And so it's kind of working its way through what the Hebrew uh, reader would have probably saw as the values. That's the way they people. would have thought. Right. Yep. Uh, I'll bet you he comes back later and he talks about the younger women as well. But uh, um, whether he does or doesn't, I'm not totally sure. But but that's the idea. You get the idea. That's the idea, yeah. Okay, so that's interpretation. Right. The third step, application. Application. By the way, even in interpretation, you're writing this down. You're, you're 
Oh, you're writing all of this down. Because it helps you to articulate it. Then you come to the step of application. And now this is probably the most personal of all. Because now you kind of take a step back and you look at your own life and say, okay, what does this passage touch on in my life? Right. What do I need to do as a result of what I've observed and what I've interpreted in this passage? Right. And and how does how does this you know, even though this passage wasn't written to me, how can I benefit from knowing the truth behind this passage? Now? Right. Even though this was written to a population that lived 2000 years ago. Right. What does it have to say to me today in the 21st century? And so the fun thing about the application step is you can find a lot of ways to apply. Uh, like we would have to come up with a real-world scenario in which this verse would benefit that scenario. And I really liked that, yeah. that it was like, okay, yeah, I, you know, let's say, okay, we just found out uh, it's about teaching, teaching good values to first the older men, then the women, then the kids, right? That's what we're learning here. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how does that benefit us in our local church body? Okay, well, that means that we need different programs for men. We need different programs for women. We need different programs for kids, but they all need to learn the same set of values in their own way because everybody learns a little differently, but everybody also needs to be living righteously. And that's what this is trying to get across. So it's not the content of our teaching that changes, but it's the method by which we reach method. Yeah. Right. Which is why we've got men groups. We've got women's Bible studies. We've got youth groups for kids. And so you could turn around and say, Oh, that's reflected in the church body at large. Um, and that's just off the top of my head, but there's a million other applications. You could come up with that. Um, the point is taking it and saying, okay, clearly I am not the main character in this story. Like, our, Jason's talked about this with me before. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but we all kind of grew up with like um, Disney princess syndrome. Oh, yeah. That we we watch a movie growing up as a kid, and you know we're watching Mulan or you know Treasure Planet or whatever, and and I'm like, oh, I'm Jim. I make I'm Mulan. Yeah. I'm Moana. I'm I'm Maui. I'm the character. I'm the main character, and this story is about me, and this this is all relative to my life, and so whatever happens to this character must also be true for me, right? But that's not the case. Like, not all of us, you know, have uh, been King David and been a king and yeah. stood up on a rooftop and saw a woman bathing and said, oh, I'm going to have sex with her. And so then you drag her over and get her pregnant, murder her husband, and now have to figure out how to deal with the, the fallout. That's not going to happen to that us, guys. Hadn't happened to me yet. So. <laughs> yeah, we're doing pretty good thus yeah. far. But, but my point is we're all going to be in situations where we're going to have the option to choose right or wrong. Yeah. We're going to choose to do the wrong thing. And then we're going to have to own up to it because what we're going to see is that sin creeps into our lives and starts to dissolve our lives and ruin our lives. And even after we've asked for forgiveness, we're still going to have to deal with the fallout just like King David. Even though we're not the main character, we're not David, we can see what did this mean for David and then now what does this mean for me? So let's take what you just did there and and, and kind of translate that into principles. So... um, you took the action there of King David with Bathsheba, and you drew principles out of that. Okay? Right. I'm not a king. I'm not going to be a king. Uh, I live in a different time period. Uh, murdering this woman's husband is not something that I would do, but I'm still in a place where temptation happens. I'm still in a place where I get to choose, mm-hmm. where... where, where uh, I, I can choose the right path or the mm-hmm. wrong path. Right. And if I choose the wrong path, here are things that could happen. Right. Which is really funny, though, which is why I always like to bring, like, I notice that Jesus always brings it back to the Garden of Eden. And the reason I think that that's a great tool to use mm-hmm. 
is because the original sin is reflected through every story of the Bible. Yeah. That all of those things are still reflecting that same choice of, well, do I obey God or not? That's really what it always boils down to. Mm -hmm. And we can, we can hash it out in different scenarios and that's what we get through all the stories of the Bible. But it really always boils down to that same story back in Genesis. And so like, it's even kind of happening. Like the application is almost happening. Like, it's kind of meta, big word, but like we're watching other people kind of look back on the garden and see like, oh, I did this. Like I did yeah. the same sin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. very odd. It's very odd. One of the things that I do uh, when it comes time for application, I'll look for four things in a passage. I'll look for a command uh, to be obeyed, a promise to be claimed. I'll look for uh, a, a sin. The, the third one is kind of two things. A sin to be avoided or a virtue to be imitated. Uh-huh. And then I'll look for principles. Uh, what, what If I don't find any of the other three, I'll say, okay, what principle is here? Now, that may or may not help you. If it doesn't help, forget it. <laughs> Go on. Uh, it, it helps me, though. If there's a command here, Paul says to Titus, uh, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. There's a command. Uh-huh. I could do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, promote wholesome living. Promote good teaching. Teach older men to exercise self-control. Okay, that's a command. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Uh, so, a command to be obeyed, a promise to be claimed, a virtue to be imitated, or a sin to be avoided, uh-huh. or a principle. If you don't find anyone in the first three, then go to, okay, so what's behind this passage? What principles are there that impact me today? Yeah. And that's where you went well, that's with David over. and Bathsheba. Right, that's what carries over. Right, the situation yeah. does it. We don't even. I mean, there really aren't a ton of kings in right. the Western Hemisphere. You know, like right. we don't have a lot of that. Right, but but we do have people in situations of power where they can use that power for good or for evil, um, right. and, and then having to live out those those uh, decisions, whether it reaps good or it reaps evil. You know, like. The same idea. It's yeah. it's the root of the story is what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's it. I mean, <laughs> there was a whole lot of talk for three very basic ideas, but yeah. we, we wanted to kind of give you like as deep as a dive as we can in the time we have. The idea here: look at what the passage says, write down what it says, ask some questions about what it says, then say. Okay, what did this mean to the people that it was written to in the book? What did it mean at that time? Not what's it mean now, just what did it mean at that time? Write that down. Maybe consult commentaries, maybe consult mm-hmm. history books, maybe talk to teachers or uh, pastors or you know people, historians, people that you might know that have this kind of information readily available. Yeah. Then check your sources, do word studies, do yeah. go back to the original language. Go see what these words actually mean, and then once you've come to a conclusion on, okay, so I think this is what it meant for those people then. I think this is what that passage meant then. Now, what are the principles, like Randy said, what are the foundational teachings here, and how do those translate to life now for me Yeah, and for the people around me? Okay, so it is kind of a complicated process, but uh, the bottom line is as you get involved in doing a complicated process, it becomes easier and easier and easier. Oh, yeah. Our, our, uh, the, the whole reason we began to do this podcast is because we'd love to see everybody engaged in the study of Scripture. True. It is something that you can do. Uh, it's going to feel odd and uncomfortable at first. But that discomfort goes away pretty quickly. And the things that you begin to uncover and see are just fantastic. 
and, and I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, I think we live in a time where Christians more quickly go to the teachings of their favorite pastor or theologian and say, well, I agree with them on most things. I'm just going to go ahead and agree with them on this too. Yeah. Rather than reading the Bible for themselves. Yeah, I don't think that's just our time. There are not as many people reading the Bible for themselves today. I struggle with it. I struggle finding time in my daily routine to just sit down and read Scripture. And it's something I think about every day. I imagine for a lot of people, it's a whole lot further down the line. Like, I mean, I'm not doing so hot at it all the time, but I want to do better. And we all can do better, and we need to do better. Yeah. And that's what it yeah. boils down yeah. to. Right. So I hope that you guys learned something. I hope that this is helpful to you. Um, it, do, it doesn't have to be super complicated. It, it, you start small. Start with yeah. what you got. Just just do it. Dig into it. But just be ready to say at some point, oh, I think I thought of that wrong. Or, oh, I did have that right all along. But be open to learning something because that's what this is all about. It's about letting God's word speak to us, not us telling God's word what it means and then going and finding reasons why it means that. And that's the biggest point to be made here. Um, If you guys have questions, you can send those to questions at becomehope.com or saltysaints at becomehope.com. And until next time, stay salty. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 